Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. There's a lot of stigma around egg donation, and that is largely rooted in the cash compensation model. It feels transactional and personal and icky for everyone involved, the donor, the intended parent, and the donor-conceived child down the line. It's a real missed opportunity because at its core, egg donation is someone doing something good and providing a life-altering opportunity for a family. The stigma is a problem on multiple fronts. It discourages women from helping a family grow, and that might be something she wants to do. It leaves intended parents without options, and it especially hurts the LGBTQ community that relies on egg donation for building their families. That is our friend Lauren Mackler, CEO and founder of Co-Fertility. She will be speaking with us today about her new initiatives, Freeze by Co and Family by Co, that you may have already heard about. They just recently launched about a week and a half ago. So thank you, Lauren, dear, with your bad self coming on the show, <laughs> CEO, mom, wife, and so many other hats, taking the time out to speak to us today. I appreciate you so much, dear. We're on different time zones. So I appreciate you, girl. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I want to start at the beginning, Lauren. When you became married, you wanted to start your own family. Yeah. And the struggles of trying to conceive began for you and your husband. Mm -hmm. Did you always know that there was an issue um, with fertility for you or your husband? Which which one of you had the diagnosis, I should ask? So my story starts uh, before I was married. Um, I was actually, I think my husband and I, we had been dating for about three months And I had, at the time I was working at Uber, um, so I I had joined Uber in the early days and and was building a new business at Uber called Uber Health. So I was deep Mm -hmm. in, you know, building um, in the healthcare space. And I woke up one morning with a pain in my side and I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was wrong. And so pushed my doctors to give me some diagnostic testing. And mm-hmm. um, after a bunch of tests and what ended up being a diagnostic surgery, um, I had masses just like growing throughout my abdomen. And I was diagnosed with an incredibly rare abdominal disease. So I'm one of fewer than 200 people on the planet to ever be diagnosed with this disease. Um, talk about rare. And um, it put into question. They basically told me like there's a, after a number of surgeries, which I would need to have to remove the disease and basically manage it going forward and some treatments associated with that, that there was a chance I would never be able to have a biological child. So um, I had a few months to sort of gather my thoughts ahead of a surgery and, and wanted to find out like, should I preserve my fertility? Should I freeze my eggs? Like what's the best path here? Um, and just given, because so little was known about the disease, um, it was sort of unclear if I could pursue egg freezing. And so I started to look into egg donation. I wanted to see, you know, what were the options out there if I decided not to freeze my eggs. And after seeing what was out there, I ended up having a conversation with my sister about it. And 
she froze her eggs and donated them to me in case I needed them someday. So I had those eggs sort of on ice waiting for me when I went into these major surgeries. Um, and there was a, you know, there was a chance I'd wake up with no reproductive system from these surgeries. And so I had sort of peace of mind going into those surgeries. Um, and then years later, uh, I did end up keeping my reproductive system, thankfully. But um, when years later, my husband and I decided that it was time to try to conceive, um, I had waited, you know, the necessary year that the doctors recommended I wait after my last surgery. And they said, after that, try for six months. And if after six months, like, come see us, we'll talk about using your sister's eggs. And on the sixth month, I got pregnant without using my sister's eggs. Uh, it was absolutely a huge shock and surprise to me, to my doctors, to everybody involved. Um, and I'm so incredibly thankful that that was the case. And um, now have a beautiful 17-month-old daughter named Eden. And um, yeah, so, so my journey was a, a bit of a winding road with – I had sort of accepted the fact that I knew no matter what, I, I wanted to be a mother and I would be a mother someday. I could arrive at that conclusion. I just didn't know how I'd get there and I didn't know what it would look like. And I had accepted – it's funny. I give this advice uh, to people in business sometimes, which is like stay focused on on the vision, on the end goal you have in mind, but remain flexible on the journey. And I had done the exact same thing with my fertility journey, which is like I will have a baby who knows how, who knows when, but like just be flexible on the journey. And um, we ended up getting getting very lucky. But um, the experience of looking into egg donation and, and seeing, you know, just how, quite frankly, I think antiquated the, the process is, is what really led me to want to build what we're building today. What a freaking journey. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So now it makes sense how co-fertility started and where the inspiration and passion for it began. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. And what year can you tell okay. us yeah. for those so, who may not know? Sure, sure. So what happened was um, I gave birth at like summer of 2021, went on maternity leave. I was still at Uber and, and had been thinking, you know, what's next for me? I'm not quite sure. Uh, and went back at the end of my maternity leave knowing that I just had to – whatever I was going to do next had to be in reproductive health. I didn't know what. I wasn't totally sure, but I it had to be in, in reproductive health. And I ended up giving notice without a real plan, which is something I was lucky enough to do. But the very next day – talk about the universe uh, conspiring. Mm -hmm. The very mm -hmm. next day – I got a DM from Hallie Teco, who I know is someone that you know. And Hallie and I had known each other only peripherally through like okay. the health tech space. Sure. We were certainly not on a DMing basis. Let's put it okay. that way. And as cheesy as it sounds, like my I, like my heart skipped a beat. So I was like, <gasps> like Hallie was someone I had looked up to for years. And so to get a DM from her, she had heard that I might be building something in the space and wanted to to ask how fundraising was going. And I was like, I, I don't know what I'm building yet. Like, you know, what do you think? And so she ended up calling me and she actually didn't know about my health history. So mm, she wow. pitched me on this concept, this idea around 
the fact, and, and I should say a little more clearly what we're building, you know, with co-fertility, we give women the opportunity to freeze their eggs for free if they donate half of the eggs retrieved to intended parents who can't otherwise conceive. So that could be couples struggling with infertility or gay dads or cancer mm -hmm. survivors and the like. Mm -hmm. And um, Hallie pitched me on this concept without knowing what I had been through. Wow. And so when I shared with her my story, it was like the stars aligned and we were off to the races. Uh, from then on out, it was like Hallie's role was very clearly not going to be an investor, but she was like, let's do this. And so she mm -hmm. is now one of my co-founders. Um, and then we brought on um, Ariel Spiegel, who um, had built the original co-fertility as a content site and platform and Instagram community that is, you know, an incredibly amazing, yes. active group of people. And um, we felt bringing on someone like Arielle was important, not just for her experience in fertility, but also before building co-fertility initial work, she had worked um, with Victoria's Secret Pink and Coach, which is like, you know, really familiar with the younger Gen Z audience. And making and so, the connection with building yes. community and brands together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Arielle Genius. is our third co-founder. <laughs> it all fell together from there. Yeah. yeah. You know, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be mm -hmm. in the aspects of building brands that serve people. And I think when you are serving people, things like this happen all the time. Yeah. You know, when it's in, it's, it's in good intentions, pure heart, passion, mm -hmm. and a desire to help people. And what you guys are doing is when Hadley um, sent me a DM and then she emailed me the information about the new initiatives mm -hmm. under cold fertility, I, I was like floored. Because I had been wondering what it was so funny because that week I was like, I'm seeing so many more people in the community having to go the route of egg donation mm -hmm. and such, whether it's mm -hmm. LGBTQIA members and yeah. or just people who have been on the path for quite a while and their eggs, the women's eggs, the, the female's eggs is just not happening for them. Right. Yeah. And I had been thinking and contemplating and I'm no brand builder. So to see you guys do things like this is just so inspiring. And it's really phenomenal how you guys can weed out and see the gaps and mm -hmm. what needs to be connected to bring it all together. It's really, truly a gift. It really is. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just applaud you guys for what it's going to do for people, especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and this being an option for people um, in so many different ways. And it's, you guys are trailblazing. People are going to be copying you soon. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We're just, we're yes. really excited about the response so far. I'll tell you yes. that. Yes. And you guys have so many donors lined up already, right? Yes. We have over 50 women who are part of our split program. So that's where yeah. they, they sign up and they're pre-qualified based on their medical history, their lifestyle factors, and a number of other things to um, participate in the program where, you know, half of their eggs go to intended parents. And we have over a thousand right now in process with their application. So um, it takes a bit of time for someone to fill it out and for our team to review it. And then we actually meet with everyone before we list them. It's really important to us that we get to know each of these women. Um, and those are like my favorite conversations all day. 
Um, I absolutely love to meet with our members. And actually, I, I really love meeting with intended parents too on the family by co-side yeah. and, and yeah. hearing about their journey so far and, and what they're looking for in a donor. Um, I feel this like, you know, kind of like a matchmaker, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, like I know exactly who they should, who they should look for. And, and it's so much more, um, I've learned it's so much more than like what someone looks like, you know, it's yeah. like, it's about connecting with this person on a deeper level, um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and learning about their personality and their interests and their goals and their ambitions. Um, and, and finding, like we've heard from intended parents who've matched already, like, this donor made my heart sing. Like that's mm. the quote we're hearing, mm. right? Like what an like if we can help do that, like what better feeling is there? So um yeah, we've been really, really encouraged by by who's coming through so far and and the results we're seeing. Phenomenal. I still I wish my eggs were young enough. I would I would donate to you guys because Aww. I know there's a shortage of black and brown people in that aspect. And and when it does become available, it goes within minutes. So um, just truly yeah. phenomenal work you guys are doing. And so you. can you do, I know you just briefly stated the breakdown and the structure of how Freeze yeah. and Family by Co. Yeah. work, but can we break that down a little bit more for our friends listening who may be in need of you guys' services yeah, and absolutely. how they can uh, receive donations and yeah. also donate and how that structure works totally. for us? Cool. So I'll start by explaining the Freeze by Co. platform. So that is where we enable women to more accessibly pursue egg freezing through two options. And and for those who aren't familiar, you know, egg freezing while not a insurance policy and not guaranteed, unfortunately it's not a perfect science, um people who freeze their eggs, especially younger the younger they are, um the more likely they are to have options in terms of having a baby later in life if they should experience infertility, right? So, um the problem for most people is that egg freezing is cost prohibitive. The best time to freeze your eggs is when you can least afford it, right? And so our goal here is to change that and make it more accessible for more women. So, you know, make it available to people who might not have that as like a fertility benefit with their, you know, their employer. So um, with Freeze by Co., we have two programs. One program, like I mentioned before, is our split program where those who qualify get to um, freeze and store their eggs for free for up to 10 years when they give half of the eggs retrieved to a family who can't otherwise conceive. And then our KEEP program is for anyone who wants to participate. Maybe they are, you know, don't meet some of the qualifications to participate in the split program, or maybe they're not interested in donation, which is like totally cool. It does not need to be for everyone. Um, Those women can participate in the program. They'll freeze their eggs and store all of them for their own future use and can take advantage of our built-in community and some discounts along the way to help uh, lighten the financial load. Um, But everyone, whether you're in our split or key program, you get access to our online community that I mentioned where people get to talk openly about the egg freezing experience that they're going through in real time and also access not only our team, but our um, incredible uh, advisory board of medical experts and different like programming that we have. So that's our, our freeze by co program. Then we have our family by, by co program. And this is our really our human centered approach for intended parents to find their perfect match in an egg donor. 
So our matches are, are really made in a more like personal and empathetic way um, where intended parents also get support tools and resources and education in a community with other intended parents who are going through it. Um, and we've heard from from our intended parents so far that they feel a sense of purpose that they are getting to play a role in helping someone preserve their future fertility in a very accessible format as opposed to the more traditional transactional nature of cash compensation for egg donation. And I want to be clear too, like we welcome all intended parents. So single or coupled, regardless of what brought them to us, um, we will support them with compassion and, and respect for whatever path is best for them. And I love that you guys have both the freeze and family by code because it bridges the gap between education and knowledge for mm-hmm. people wanting to donate and for those who are intended parents. And from what the many vi- interviews that I've done over the last three years, I find that there's a lack of education in that aspect. And a lot of the agencies that people have come across or have worked with, they're not educating properly and not mm-hmm. really explaining things and not taking their time. And they complain of it being much like fertility clinics and it just being a number and they're rushing you three things. Yeah. And so that's one of the things you had mentioned earlier about you guys' approach with meeting with everyone, yes. right? Yeah. And so how do we manage that? How do we do yeah. that with everyone who's applying and whether intended and or donating? Do you have a team of people who are trained specifically to look for things? How does that work? Yeah. So we have um, a clinical operations team of member advocates that um, have years of experience in third-party reproduction and being part of this ecosystem, as well as the guidance and support of our medical advisory who includes, you know, reproductive endocrinologists, fertility psychologists, OBGYNs, um, folks who have really been in this space. Um, And then I'm actually a huge proponent of having our entire team participate in calls like this. I think that no matter what kind of business you run, you have to stay close. And for us, it's our members. Like these are members of the co-fertility community, right? These are not, we don't call them customers on purpose. Um, But I believe in being like member obsessed. And I think the only way you can be member obsessed is if you are talking to them always. And so, um, you know, I'm the CEO, but I'm still taking member calls every day. Uh, And and that's something I, I, as our company grows, I, you know, maybe not all day every day, but I think it's important that everybody is, is having these conversations so that we can continue to be incredibly focused on our member. Now, before we were recording, Lauren shared that she is very much uh, aligning with the stars, the universe kind of person <laughs> yeah. like myself, as you guys already know. And so how do you foresee moving forward with with taking on such, um, well, it's a huge undertaking to be able to meet yeah. with everyone. And so yeah. how will you guys manage and how you foresee managing that? Are you hoping, wishing, praying in the stars that you will have more people coming forward wanting to be a part of it so that you guys can screen yeah. people with the same yeah. love and care? Absolutely. So um, we actually, at part of our launch, um, we opened up our careers page and um, have a number of roles open and have seen some of the most incredible applications come through. And I have to tell you what's been so exciting has been We've had some of our split members, so women who are waiting to be matched, 
um, have applied for that member advocate role on our team. And so that feels so good, right? To know just how committed they are and excited they are about our mission. Um, and we've actually also seen, even just this morning, um, inbounds for, for that for that member advocate role from, you know, IVF moms who've built their families through egg donation, you know? And so um, to me, what better member advocate is there than someone who has gone through it themselves and who can really speak from experience about what it feels like. So um, to me, every, especially when you're a startup, right? Like every hire you make is, is like a huge percentage of your, your team, your workforce, right? So, um, I spend a lot of time with all of our candidates before we make a hire to just make sure that every person you hire is so much more than their resume. And so I, I really like to get to know them as people and make sure that they feel like the best extension of our mission and that they can live it in every conversation that they have. I love that. I love that. You have such great answers, Lauren. That's how I know that you guys are so passionate about what you're doing and really just being intentional about helping people, especially with this, again, the Roe v. Wade and people not knowing what they're going to be able to do with their eggs and such like that. And so this is just such phenomenal work and I love it. I'm a fan, been a fan, will forever be a fan. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. So I want to backtrack just for a minute. You... I was reading your article on Fast Company Startup, which I have linked in today's show notes for you guys to tap and go. You can read more about co-fertility, the new initiatives, and more about uh, what the intention is behind everything. Um, and so I noticed that, well, in the article, you stated that you saw a gap mm. in the egg donation world and the affordability of it for people. And a lot of people not moving into it because it's not accessible financially. Yeah. And so when, when was that light so, bulb moment for yeah. you here? Yeah. So I think it's it's two parts, right? I think that like it started this thinking around egg freezing being super inaccessible, right? Like there are people who have coverage from their large employers to, you know, have egg, free egg freezing, but it's still such a tiny percentage of people that have access to that. And so on average, I think egg freezing is like 12 to um, you know, across the country. And it varies based on the city you live in or how much medication you're prescribed. And that's great for some people if they can afford it. But that's not the case for so many women because there are a lot of people that freeze their eggs who never end up using them. And that's cool, right? And that's something that everyone should know, right? That would be honestly the best case scenario. If you have them, but you don't end up using them and that's okay. But having them and knowing you could use them is a great alternative. But I think that the question for us became, how do we make it egg freezing more accessible in a scalable way, right? So for a lot of people, not just for like a handful of people in different cities. And so what is a scalable way? And that's me coming from Uber with like this scalability mindset. How do we, how do we do it in a scalable way? How do we make this something that, you know, a lot of people have access to? And Quite frankly, a lot of the women who want to freeze their eggs want to freeze them because they have prioritized their education. They've prioritized building a career. They haven't yet found a partner yet. And so these are women who, because they've prioritized their education, maybe they like are in debt from, from school or, you know, can't quite afford egg freezing yet. And so how do we make it more accessible for them at scale? And that's where this idea around 
donation came in. And and part of it is because the three of us had looked at egg donation for different reasons, whether through our careers professionally or personally. And we saw parts of egg donation that were broken, right? And so, you know, I think one issue with egg donation is really cash compensation, right? I think that it's it really causes a stigma and it makes it so people are sort of turned off to donating their eggs. It's stigmatizing for a donor, but also there was a, a study that came out in Harvard recently of donor-conceived people that showed that 62.2% of donor-conceived adults said that the exchange of money for donor eggs felt wrong. And 40% of yeah. them said that they were disturbed by the fact that money was exchanged for their own conception, right? So they mm. don't feel great about cash compensation either. And so this issue is making it so egg, like there's a, a wait list for, for eggs mm-hmm. for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially more diverse communities. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think the experience of egg donation in general is like, largely just like antiquated and disappointed. So like intended parents could be scrolling through profiles that, you know, are overemphasizing classist attributes and and good looks, right? And that doesn't feel great. So you're kind of like, oh, am I looking at like a cringy dating site right now? Um, And there's really not a ton coming through around a donor's values or their background or their personalities, right? Like those are the things that intended parents really want to know. And yeah, I mean, especially I want to come back to this idea around ethnic diversity amongst donors because it's leaving intended parents without adequate options for growing a family that reflects their background, So if you ask like most intended parents, they'll often tell you that their search first and foremost is around finding someone who shares their nationalities rather than everything else. And that's usually the first thing on the list. And then I've recently read an article where a young woman says she had to like kind of be, she had to break herself down Mm. uh, Hmm. for her sperm. This is not for egg, but she, this is for a sperm donor because she's um, part of the LGBTQIA community. And she said, you know, it was like, it was almost like a breaking down of the picture I had in my head, like we do so much in family building and such. So I I love that you, you brought that up. Yeah. So, so for us, this is about like, you can't have egg donation without egg freezing, right? Like the first step of donating your eggs is freezing them. And so bringing them together and doing it in a way that is accessible to women all over the country and available to intended parents all over the country Mm-hmm, gives mm-hmm. everybody more options and more access to what they're looking for, whether that be egg freezing more accessibly or their perfect match in an egg donor. Yeah. What would what is your your vision for the long term, Lauren? And wow. where do you yeah. see or hope to see freeze and family and co fertility going from here? Do you yeah. hope to expand and fill in more gaps for us <laughs> out Absolutely. here in these trying to conceive streets? <laughs> <laughs> I would be lying if I didn't say we had big ambitions for sure. I think like for us, it comes down to helping more people have babies on their own timeline. So for some people, that would be babies someday, right? For the women who are hoping to freeze their eggs and for intended parents, like the people who sometimes wish they had a baby yesterday, right? Like we want to help them have a baby ASAP. And so that's what it comes down to for us. I think I'm big on on remaining focused on what we have in front of us so that we can really execute well. Um, but we absolutely have our, our sights set on, you know, the ways that we can 
help more people have babies, right? Like that's the that's what it comes down to and that's what gets me excited to to come to work every morning. Wonderful. Wonderful. Is there anything that you would say to our friends in the community a word of wisdom, inspiration or hope if whether they're on the path of egg donation or freezing, just anything that I you think, would be able to offer them? Yeah. I mean, so much first, I mean, come find us. We'd love to talk with you, but I I'm come back to what we chatted about earlier, which is like remain steadfast on the outcome and be flexible on the journey. And, um, you know, we're here for you no matter what your journey looks like or, or where, which side of this you're coming from. I would also encourage folks to check out our stance on our website. Um, our website is cofertility.com. Our stance is really about just generally how we feel about the industry and the space and sort of what needs to change. I think one thing we didn't cover is the concept of sort of anonymous donation. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We believe that anonymous donation is not realistic in today's world. Things like 23andMe are incredibly pervasive and, and genetic tests are happening. And so if there are egg banks or egg agencies that are promising you anonymous egg donation, either as an intended parent or as a donor, like that's a false promise. You know, we work with all parties in the in this scenario to find a solution and an agreement that works well for them, whether that be a disclosed donation with the relationship or an undisclosed, you know, relationship with without. But like for us, we just want to be clear about that at the upfront. So check out our stance. Know that someone is, and you used the word intentional before. I love that word. Um, we are incredibly intentional about this whole ecosystem and you'll see that reflected there. So check that out. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready to go. We have donors for folks that are looking and, and we're excited to, to help you match or, or help you um, along the way in this journey any way that we can. Yes, friend. And thank you, Lauren, so much for your time again, breaking down you guys' structure and how you differ from the traditional uh, freezing and egg donation agencies and or ways of doing so. Um, A lot of people do use their fertility clinics to freeze and such like that. And so this is more of a, uh, this is a great option aside from that. And so I just appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you do, that you continually do, even after having, um, quote unquote, the the bundle and the success uh, after infertility. And I, I'm rooting for you guys. And I'm mm-hmm. here. Anything else comes along that you guys want to launch, I'm here for you to record oh, anytime. Amazing. And to share you as a resource has been my absolute honor. So, oh. uh we thank you, friends, for tuning in, and you will be able to see all of the information for Cold Fertility. You can go right from to their website from this episode, whether you're listening yeah. on YouTube and on or your favorite audio streaming platform. Yeah. And you can connect with Cold Fertility, Freeze by Co, Family by Co, if you just want to yeah. get a consult and get a feel and a vibe for the company. <laughs> so, yeah, check us out on Instagram. Yes, we have at Freeze by Co and at Family by Co. And uh, if you want to talk to me directly, I'm at Lauren Mackler. I'm just so excited. Thank you so much, Monique. Thank you, my dear. And thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me podcast. You guys know where to find me on the gram. Peace and blessings.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.